Welcome to The Best Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Bradley H. Werrell, and we're here to explore options and potentials to help us grow as individuals and as a community with one another in these difficult times and challenging times. We're exploring all manner of potentials related to the human experience, physical, psychological, medical, spiritual. It's a wonderful opportunity that we now experience in this critical phase of our human evolution. And I welcome you to join us in our podcast, become more aware and identify with people who are helpful and supportive of you in your efforts as a human being on this planet and elsewhere too. We're going to be meeting people who are doing things that are widely variant from what is so-called normal within our society. In the creative space, within the social space, our common purpose, seeking to generate positive potentials to improve the lives of everyone in our sphere of influence and to expand that sphere of influence so that we may positively influence others that are not yet engaged directly with us. That's the goal here. We will learn more about each other as we go. I wish you the very best. Thank you very much for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of the Best Medicine Podcast with your host, Bradley H. Werrell, D.O. Today, we are going to enjoy the company of Dr. Greg Enriquez, a tenured professor of clinical psychology at the James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. I look forward to chatting with Dr. Enriquez about a wide variety of subjects, and we will see what comes of it. Yep, there it is. There he is. Hey! Greg, long time no see. Yes, indeed, friend. How are you? I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you, man. This is like, I've made extensive discoveries in your absence. Oh, okay. Great. Right? Love to hear them. And it's like, it's a fascinating function because I'm like, I'm studying this first principles. It's the exact same thing you're studying, which is the, to try to properly close up what you're calling the enlightenment gap. Okay. Now this, I want to, I want you to explain to the audience what the enlightenment gap is briefly so that we're all on the same page. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I sort of backed into this concept uh, at first uh, in terms of my own rootedness in it is found in the problem of psychology. Uh, the problem of psychology is the inability of scholars uh, to develop a proper relationship between uh, a proper way of understanding the science of psychology. In other words, uh, we develop modern science coming off of Galileo into Newton uh, in the 19th century. Uh, there was a, a real strong effort uh, to, to apply the epistemology of science to this thing called psychology. Um, that actually breaks up, uh, and I can explain why, and gives rise to uh, initially called the crisis in psychology, which is that there's no way to define the field um, in any way that's coherent. The field then decides that, yep, we'll never define the field. Uh, and so what we'll do is we'll define ourselves academically by applying the methods of science to whatever the hell it is that we, which particular researcher decides what they mean by psychology or behavior and mental process. So I got obsessed with the problem of psychology. Um, and then as I was framing the nature of the problem of psychology, especially recently, uh, my, the evolution of my thought went from a focus on psychology and psychotherapy into really metaphysics, which is basically what the fuck do we mean by our terms? 
Um, how do we know? What's our epistemology? What's our ontology? And that then got me uh, really aware of how deeply confused everybody is in relation. Uh, and then I saw that through the lens of what then would become the Enlightenment gap, uh, which is the, coin I, uh, the term I coined to say that the, uh, there was an attempt for a synthetic philosophy uh, that emerged in the context of Enlightenment. A synthetic philosophy is a holistic set of metaphysical concepts that afford understanding, uh, so box you in and afford consilience, to use uh, Edward Wilson's term. Uh, and then that broke down. Uh, and basically, we've never been close to consilience. You could argue maybe Hegel um, tried that and got closer. But certainly in the West, coming off of uh, England, Great Britain into the United States, we basically adopted an empiricism uh, and gave up on any particular holistic philosophy um, and you know, sort of had shattered knowledge. Now, so that's the backdrop. So what exactly is the Enlightenment gap as I frame it? It's the twin problems, uh, two sides of the coin, as it were, uh, of the inability to properly define the relationship between matter and mind on the one hand, okay? Uh, and this is colloquially known as the mind-body problem. It's like, what is consciousness? How does it interact with the physical world? Uh, Six million different attempts to try to sort that out. And everybody's asked specializing different parts of the problem and there's no coherence certainly no a shared coherent agreement. So that's one aspect, matter versus mind. The second aspect is what is scientific knowledge and how ought to be framed in relationship to sociocultural knowledge more generally. Um, so how do we frame what scientific knowledge is? What kind of truth claims does it make relative to more social claims? You can see that we never saw this in relationship to the modernist approach, um, which generally thinks about science and math and philosophy is potentially obtaining foundational truths or um, real truths that transcend culture. And then the postmodern critique of that that says, no, you're contextually bound into the sociocultural history systems of justification. They're used for power. They, they connect to uh, industry and the institutions, and they are always contextually um, uh, framed. And therefore, there's no transcendent truth claims to be had. And then what's the battle between matter, modern and postmodern in terms of sort of epistemological claims? So that the second part then is the science versus society um, relation. So the enlightenment gap then is basically, you know, the evidence for its mind-body, modern, postmodern confusions, uh, failure to get first principles transcending that, uh, and an inability to achieve any type of consilient understanding. Uh, and the Utah says, actually, what I positioned it as is a pathway in, certainly not necessarily the only pathway, uh, but it's a, a pathway in to achieve an integrative pluralistic um, frame that affords a synthetic philosophy that certainly allows us to transcend, resolve uh, the enlightenment gap and get ourselves on a much more coherent grounding of understanding. That was awesome. And you did that in like five minutes. I'm like, oh, pow, out of the park, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I can only but write so fast, though, okay? Hey, I'm happy to, I'm happy to repeat anything or, or no, whatever. You're good. No, you're good. So the, the, the interesting function of it kind of goes to this. Um, so the, the, the way I see it, just so I reiterate what you have said in, in terms that demonstrates that I actually understand and I'm not just merely monkeying along, right? <laughs> just goes like this is, 
The enlightenment gap roughly is the failure of science to properly integrate the social sciences or subjective matter into its realm. That was an affirmation, I believe. I, I want to, because we may have an audio only audience. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Yes, I did. I granted that <laughs> in terms of one sentence, if you had to nail it down into one sentence, an even briefer description, um, that's a beautiful start. So I, I'm, I'm, I affirm that a nice summary. That's beautiful. Now, now, so now I'm going to alter the subject a little bit because okay. it's like the issue is kind of goes, it's, it's, it's epistemology and ontology and um, phylogeny, right? And it's like, what is going on here, right? It's like, what exactly is going on here from physics to digital, right? Beautiful. And it's like, so this is the proposal that I'm making at this moment, which is to understand this. We must understand layers of complexity. And each layer of complexity has stable equilibria in it that are, and I ran into a fellow named James Connors and he was a, he's a PhD candidate for a field of study I never heard of before I met him, which is ecological psychology. Yeah, I know that field. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's that's kind of what I've been studying in, in my own way independently for 34 years, because I'm like, that's that's interesting stuff. And it's like at issue is this is so at every layer, there's a there's an ecological psychology function at work. And they're all the layers are self-similar but increasing layers of complexity as we progress through the uh, hierarchy of complexity, culminating in what we recognize in this subjective realm and socio-political, religious, and then um, you said it well, which was uh, shoot, man, metaphysical front, right? And so what I have discovered, this is quite interesting. It's all like a polarity issues, which is, uh, just like a magnetic pole, north and south, and they do this, then there's conflict, okay? And, I, and I'm like, I've been, look, this is, this may sound rude, so this, that's, a, I get to say anything I want, right? You're, you're <laughs> free, man. <laughs> like, you're awesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> so it goes like this, the, um, the way it comes down to is, and I will ask you how you think about this, which is stacks of values, okay, so the subjective, my personal values, or um, relates to intuition and um, sense of sensibility, right? Like values, intuitions, and feelings, how they relate emotionally inside and, and generate um, action. We're not all the same, but the question came to my mind is how is it the liberals, and I mean the progressive liberals that can never get the right answer? I know I, I wanted to know the answer and the, the theory was the theory was they have a diode in their head that's simply backwards. So they have a reverse polarity. And, and this week, I discovered the nature of the diode. All right. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you about the diode because it's like, it's fascinating. And it's like, roughly speaking, and it's like, uh, in um, I'm trying to get the right Jungian type terms, archetypical function. Okay. It's like a male sensibility and a female sensibility. And it's like, because one is animus and anima for using Jungian terms. Oh, okay, very good, man. I appreciate that. And the um goes like this: the they're at eternal conflict and eternally intertwined, and 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 it will always be so. And it, the interesting function is this: so it's like the the key elements of the diode is reality, 
cold, hard reality, unfeeling reality versus sentimental feelings, right? So it's like this. The fundamental conflict is the reversal of that diode. And it's, I discovered this incidentally because I'm studying this material in a very metaphysical sense. So it's kind of way up high altitude. And then I'm watching YouTubes and I see these YouTubes of these guys talking about how bad the women are acting in the dating scene. And I'm not dating, I'm not interested in dating, and I'm not interested in anything else, but it's, what is going on here? And it's the same conflict occurring at all levels of our social understanding. It occurred to me that it's like this, it's a symbol of excessive female intuitional domination of the marketplace. Okay? And it's like, to me, and, and I'm, a, I'm a more conservative person, uh, politically person than I think you are. And I'm not trying to say that for anybody, but it goes like this. It's like, I, I, I think my that's intuitions, fair. My intuitions are um, that that's what's occurring politically at the same time. Excessive subjective over objective reality grounded centered. And I think that you can certainly say that the, like, that's the inverse claim. Obviously the primary progressive claim is white male domination yes. across all sorts of different domains. So, yeah. Right. And so it's like, but see, the, to me, it's objective over subjective or subjective over objective, which is like yeah. when, when the, the claims being made by the progressive left, which I won't, I don't care to argue any of it, are subjective and lack objectivity. And so this is an example of this domination occurring and it's, it doesn't scale, which is my, my issue, which is this feminine intuition works as communistic and it scales to very small social units, which is family and maybe tribe. But when you try to scale it, you do, it will blow up and it will implode like the Soviet Union did because it can't scale, because it doesn't make rational decisions. It's doing what feels good at the moment, and that is self-destructive behavior. It's degenerate. I, I think that the basic theme's correct. I, you know, there'd be a lot of potential academic argument about certain claims embedded in that, but I certainly, I th- certainly the sentiment of a um, that sort of communal orientation, the sentiment in our culture and it generalizes, but not absolutely, in our culture along these lines of animus and anima, feminine and masculine uh, 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 in relation. Uh, that's all, all, I completely agree with the basic sentiment. And it's not accidental that you see, um, you know, Democrat being dominated more by uh, women and the feminine energy, definitely, versus uh, the converse. Which, which is quite interesting because it's like, if you look at, um, I like, look at the last, say, uh, I don't know, say two centuries, okay, in America and American, say, psychosocial interactivity, which is the women and the men were largely separated with with the different um, responsibilities in the aggregate sense. And what happened was in the 20th century, they smashed the women into a generalized public sphere that was no longer like uh, um, self-regulating agencies. Now it's combined into one gross body that is attempting to harmonize the information that's traveling all through here in totally different pathways, right? And so it's like, the issue is this, there's been an injection of female intuition in all social aspects of the life of the people for at least a hundred years in the United States. 
And it's like, we don't know what that means, right? That's the, that's the issue here, I think, which is that we, we, it's an experiment and it is like, well, how, what does that yield? And so that's, that's kind of where we're at. And it's like, that's why I am of the, you know, it looks to me like it's the feminine intuition appears to have gained the upper hand and is crashing against the realities of uh, objective reality, which is can't generate more fibs to make it work. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, obviously, in, a, in many ways, I want to contextualize it because I'm an academic, okay? And I want to contextualize across all sorts of different layers, you know? Obviously, in the, in the modern cultural context, as a, and I'll say now as a left-leaning Democrat American in the current context, I find it enormously laughable, and I don't want to get into a political context, but so I'm just saying this is not a conversation. I, that part of me would find it, and my wife, who is very much in that gun, would find it enormously laughable that somebody would say from a conservative perspective in the context of a post-Trump era, that it is the inability of the feminine to understand reality with accuracy. Um, so that frame of reference would be obviously. That's not what I'm saying. I know, I know. I'm just wanted to get to no, move that over. I'm clarifying what I'm saying, though. It's not. It's not that they cannot see with accuracy. It is that their intuitional understanding does not scale. So they're attempting to make decisions that are outside of the scale of their intuition, which yields some deviation from objective reality, however small. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. All I'm saying is, is that in the current context of whatever our political polarization has happened. Okay. Right. The analytic angle would be, well, depending on how you define conservative, okay, to the extent that you yoke conservatism to Trumpism and follow oh, whoa, that. Whoa, 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 okay, we're good. We're not doing mm-hmm. that. I'm not interested Perfect. in it. So I just need to contextualize that a little bit and get clear. And then if we then say, okay, as long as the, we get out and, and follow the themes, the themes upon what you're saying, abstract themes overall, we get a high level metaphysical space in relation. There's yeah. absolutely no doubt that there is a feminine energy of care that is communal and yes. relates to communism in a particular kind of way. And the intuition around it has enormous difficulty scaling. Totally agree with that in a particular way that's d- different than sort of the masculine energy in a particular abstract concept. Okay. Yeah, I understand Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'll put it in my own self. So I, I see myself very much as living in the world with a feminine and feminist therapist heart mm-hmm. okay, and a physicist head. <laughs> okay. So, so that's a, and masculine physicist head. Uh, that's a, that's a very, and those things. So those, that's how so I here, would So in this, in this context, it goes like this. It's like, the issue is this, is the, is the, the heart doesn't know when to stop, right? And it depends on the rational to, to determine that, that enough is enough. And, and, and that's, the, that's the issue here. That's the, relates to the scaling. Agreed. And so there's like an energetic function, which is like a pendular or something like that, like a spring or a pendulum, which is, is, is you know, action and then reaction just and that's, that's that's where I see we're at, which is we're in this polarization shift, generally, which is excessive reliance on the the feminine intuition or sentimentality, which is like I say, it's just sentimentality is a clear way to talk about it, 
versus the masculine, which is unfeeling and rational, right? That's, and it seems like the polarization is like, it, this is the, the question of the day, right? With how is it gonna break and what's, going, what's the physics of the situation, right? It's just because it's information transduction. This is what I'm interested in is information transduction between um, layers of complexity or, or between um, stable equilibria at various layers of complexity. And as that information reverberates in and among itself over time, right? That's, right. that's what we're after. And it's like to include the social realm, uh -huh. which is to me to be based upon first principles. Uh -huh. So that's what I'm trying to work on. It's very entertaining. And it's like, but it's the same thing you're working on, right? Totally. So it is interesting to me. It's like, we just get our, there's a, there's a, I guess you, you I like the way you tied it together in your um, tree of knowledge system, which is the, um, the, the evolution of human expression for the purpose of transmitting information into another human being, right? Of increasingly complex, nature that discourse so i go to the tamarind monkey and i'm in the tamarind monkey at the zoo and i'm looking at him and then i look suddenly like that and then look back at him and he always looks <laughs> he's like and then checks your eyes like oh, is there something over there i need to know about because i'm only this uh -huh. big <laughs> right so scaling that up to human beings and 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 understanding the the nature of of messaging how we project our messages right that's what's interesting to me and and um I don't know why I'm going off on that tangent, perhaps, but it is. Uh, well, certainly what the, the goal of the, certainly the overall goal of UTALK is very similar to what you just said, UTALK Unified Theory of Knowledge. Um, and it tries to afford us a new synthetic philosophy that resolves the enlightenment gap. The one, one key part of that then is getting a, a coherent frame of objective, and I put that, you know, you have to qualify it, but objective scientific knowledge, and then the tree of knowledge the upside down cones from, for people that don't matter, life, mind, and culture, not that's kind of the tree of life behind me, but tree of equivalent, um, the tree of knowledge, which is the first branch on that thing behind me, affords us a natural scientific behavioral map of our past and, and uh, enabling us to see the various levels and dimensions of complexification with objective scientific coherence and correspondence theories. Correspondence is our empirical data match our particular modeling. That's and right. So, uh, and what you said about the monkey is really key. The tree of knowledge says that we have confused. There are good re um, reasons why we got confused, but we can go back to a basic categorization system of inanimate matter. Um, and then there is living organisms. And then there are mental animals. And then there are cultured pierced persons. And that is a very, very key complexified knowledge system that was we used to have and then we lost because actually modern science uh, undermined it in a particular way. The tree of knowledge resurrects that uh, with proper modern science knowledge. Um, and that's a very important sense-making system for us to be able, so we can get our sense-making ecologies organized around shared objective reality. And that's a big fucking deal that we now don't have. Right. Well, I I, don't, I think we're getting the glimmerings of it, and it's a it's a good thing. Maybe. We, yeah. We need to generalize that information. That's the issue. But so one of the one of, I guess the issue that I was trying to aim at when I um, broached the subject matter of this com of of discourse, and is okay. um is it's it's the language that we use exists on a scale which is very particular and specific 
going to um, abstract mm-hmm. and and nonspecific. And it's like so. There's there's the problem with the abstract is it it talks about things in a very general way, and it can be easily misunderstood. You know, totally. you like you say it's a hard world, but you really meant there were three guys over there trying to kill me. <laughs> right. It's, it is a hard world, but come on, man. What are you talking about? And the issue is this is it, there's a, there's another aspect that another dimension of human interaction, which is I'm deceiving you for my own benefit. And it's, so it's like, so there's, a, there's this propensity for uh, bias, error, fraud, and deceit, you know, just to, to rip into any human interaction. It's like, okay, so we need to have tools to measure this as well as the, uh, because, and that's okay, the tools to measure that and then to regulate that in society if we are to remain civil, right? Totally. And so, we're, and it's, that's the issue here. And, that's, and I think that we're all on the same page, which is, it's, how boring. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, right. I mean, I think, well, the, to me, I, right. I don't know that we're bored on the same page at one level, but there is some definite agreement. And then the question is getting the right, right grip, right, of agreement that affords us uh, adaptive action. So that's a, that's, and that's, and action. I like that. right. What's that? I missed one. You said uh, it's getting the right, right grip so that it affords us adaptive action. That's essentially, and virtually everyone can agree on that basic framing at that level. So there are opportunities clearly for people to come together and, and g- generate agreement. Uh, it, the time that we're in, the question that I have is whether or not we can generate enough foundational agreement um, around so we get integration with enough appreciation for the necessary plurality and the chaos that we afford in proper opponent process. You talk about opponent process. There are proper opponent process where yin and yang are held in uh, constructive balance. This is, I vaguely referenced Hegel before. One of Hegel's key insights is actually knowledge needs to be structured across the dialectic of thesis, antithesis, into synthesis. That's what this is. Yes, Um, I understand. And then, so anyway, that capturing that understanding what the polarities are, seeing when they go to shit and many <laughs> polarities are going to shit, um, which basically turns them into vicious d- destructive cycles okay, That's versus right. healthy, yeah. op- constructive opponent processes. That's an unbelievably that very useful frame. I like that a lot. That was beautiful because it is, is an, it's an interesting opponent. I like how you symbolize it with that because that's what that does. And that allows us to be people. And it's like, which is constructive opponent process, which is the terminology, which I didn't write down, but I liked it. In fact, I'll just mention my doctoral dissert- uh, student this year uh, did her dissertation on borderline personality disorder through the lens of the unified theory. Um, and this, this, the one take home message is that the quote unquote splitting of borderline personality is essentially framed as somebody with extreme internal and interpersonal polarities that then engages them in massively erratic and dysfunctional um, ways and creating a trail of chaotic destruction. Uh, And you can see that individually and in dyads and you can see it societally. And so we want to avoid borderline type ways of being in the world for sure. Okay. This is, no, this is, it's a controversial thing that I'm going to say, so I apologize for it ahead of time, which is this. It's, it's, it's your channel. I know, right? <laughs> right. 
I'll qualify if I say, oh, my God. But anyway, (laughs) I'm not shy about being like being clear about where I am. It was like this. The the issue is there there appears to be an intention. Wait. I guess I should couch this first, which is what is the greatest fear? The greatest fear is artificial intelligence um, prior restraint, which is. The cops kick your door in and say, Dr. Enriquez, you're coming with us because we think you're going to do something in six weeks. Right. And it's like, OK, that's the fear. OK, would be that'd be bad. <laughs> that sounds bad. And so so backing up to um, what we're doing here, I lost my train of thought, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. I got stuck on the bad part. Okay. Constructive opponent processing. Is is OK, so I recall now, so I apologize for that little error. The, um, the issue is this, there certainly appears to be destructive opponent processes at work. And I don't regard it as accidental because it is the product of cultural institutions or social institutions that are artificial. And the question is, is, is um, I regard that as psychological warfare, okay? Because it look, appears to be coordinated um, assaults on the psyche of the populace, and and there has to be someone who benefits, and the only benefit I can see is um, the established order, or those who would usurp this established order. And it's like, whoa, okay, and it's like it is necessary to process this discordant claim in some meaningful way, and to um, interact with it to dispel it in some fashion. Does that make sense? Totally. And I, I don't, what does that mean to you? I mean, first off, so let's be, I believe that the evolution of our political system in the now state within the United States, and I think it's fairly general, um, has exactly degraded into confusion. And then you get power structures that actually are invested in polarization. They then become defined against the other power structure. And then they, not consciously, I mean, it's not like nine, I don't, well, there may be some people are trying to use it and subvert it consciously, but a natural evolution of a particular structure. Yes. um, And as you know, I'm a therapist. So I see families do go through this process very regularly. So I've long argued that essentially what we did is we started to institutionalize a bad divorce that of a system that can't get divorced in our pro- politics, okay? Uh, and I always place the Democratic as the femi- female side of the equation and the Republican as the male side of the equation. And then you get the institutionalized investments projected and basically then defined by trying to win the children over and then decompensate into wait, a wait, very wait. destructive. That was, that was interesting that when the children over resonated with me because it's like this, it's like the, 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 um, it is, it's like influence the people who are least able to make rational decisions, right? It's like, and it's because it's the recognition that the, uh, in the aggregate sense, in the aggregate sense that the public behaves at, at more and simple levels as a mass unit. And yet you, mm-hmm. It's empirical. You totally. just sprinkle the fairy dust and watch them dance, right? Yeah, it's a principle of least action in general. So, so people will, people will drop 
to standard equilibriums of, of simple rational action in terms of, hey, what's good for me? What's good for my side? You can, at an aggregate level, you know, you can demonstrate that that's the way people right. generally behave. Um, right. So it's basic psychology. It's just uh, in their in personal interest, right? As their uh, incentives uh, align them. Right. right. And I think that the structure of institutional incentives, especially when we add this very, the new alchemy of like social media. Yes. Um, you know, and now we basically create channels, social media channels that afford the whirlpooling of the polarized systems that are, you know, mutually reinforcing in particular ways. And, and that's one of the great challenges of the last decade we've seen emerge in a, in a very, very, you know, you know, it's always been there, but there's an intersection between lots of different features that are making this dynamic particularly complicated, at least yeah. at this moment in juncture in our yeah. history. So we agree, which is quite in interesting as well, and which I, I'm, I certain we would, which is that um, we're, we're not looking for, is, is, the, there's, there's in, in conflict, and to make it constructive conflict as opposed to destructive conflict, and it, it is, there's nobody to blame. Everybody's acting in what they perceive to be their own interests and doing what's right given what they are aware of. That's a, so we're in a boring agreement. Wait, lift my coffee too. <laughs> that is, a, that is a, that's the default equivalent state of most humans. I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> well, no, but it's interesting because it, like, it appears that um, when pressed, okay, um, they will double down on that, what's right, what they know to be right, right? And it's not like you, you think it's right. It's your intuition, your sentimentality knows it's right. And it's in informed into you from, boom, you were little, which is why the, why the um, extremists always go for the kids because they want to <laughs> unempower the family because the old imprimatur is not working anymore. So I... Um, yeah, that's the so that's what I'm working on, and it's like this is oh. is the interesting function of it is is um, science cannot have blame, right? And so so I coined this, and I was thinking about it because it's not their fault, it's their nature. Does that make sense? And then I should be able to trace their behavior all the way back down the trail of first principles to uh, physics. That's that's the that's the that's the the purpose of what what I'm up to and what I'm working on right now and I'm like mm -hmm. it's it's the same job and it's like I will um, compare notes with you I think and as we go forward I like but I'm like I'm not ready to do that I'm very interested in it though it's like this um, ecological psych I can't believe we've done so much in 36 minutes man <laughs> and with a power outage and interruption of with services. a power outage in between <laughs> hey man we're, we're jacking it up it is it's good but it's like so the the issue is so here you are and i am in our, our our own little tower and it's like how do you tell what's how do you distinguish it's like if i'm saying it's psychological war and it's like it, it doesn't matter if it's overt, you know like intentional or overt actually it does but um it's it's still the same game playing out, which is just natural evolution yeah. phenomena to develop a um, stable equilibrium, right? Totally. I mean, I, I see that. So to me, when I hear that, I look out at the landscape. First off, it totally resonates with what I see. So we're in convergent agreement there. It also resonates with what other people see. There's certainly people that I trust. Um, so, for example, you probably have heard, you know, Daniel Schmachtenberger and yeah. some of his colleagues like Zach Stein are initiating the Consilience Project. 
right. you know, right, right. Uh, and it diagnoses the information landscape really as a psychological warfare landscape that's basically emerging, a non-kinetic war, they call it. Um, yep. And and the, they have some notions about why. And the argument is, is that, oh, my God, we we those of us that can wake up and basically be, you know, not just immersed in the culture like fish are in water, right. but see the systems of justification and who's pulling strings intentionally or not, uh, just using right, your language. Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but there's a flow yep. and it's a potentially dangerous and destructive flow relative to the potential that we could be operating at. And therefore, those of us that can rise above and see the flow from wherever we are and for however long we can see it. But if it's above this system, that's obviously destructive. We've got to get together and start communicating at this particular level and start to being like, hey, man, if we can build a network outside of this flow, then maybe there would be a chance uh, to create different eddies of flow in culture that would restore its uh, adaptive potential if we see it as going into a very dysfunctional and destructive way. And that's what I feel like this conversation would be about. That's the purpose of it. That's exactly what's occurring, which is it's like it's interesting. Um, I liken it to um, the neurology, which is uh, it's uh, it's just uh, formation of connections and, it's that, and, and increasing power of connections as uh, that are positively reinforced in this positive messaging, which is interesting that it's a, it, it, I, I, I um, I watched the people on the YouTube some years ago saying they wanted to create a non-religious religion. Okay. And I'm like, okay, you have to be better than the people that did it for 2000 years and applied their best minds to it. If to get us a foothold. Okay. So I like, I questioned the project, but I'm like, but the premise of it is, is, is some kind of, it is of uh, overarching and super metaphysical that works that we, you got to align to. Okay, and we're in agreement, which is proper balance for the stabilization of the equilibrium. Okay, that's where that's where we're at, and in order in, at this level of complexity, right? Totally. So, so it is. So, the study of science to understand exactly what we're talking about, what we're looking at, and how it works—that's what we're all interested in. Beautiful. And and so the the without assigning blame or or having negative you know negativity associated with it, because it's like well, yep. But I think there's unavoidably must be negativity, okay? Well, there, that means, yes, yeah. so right? things, things will, you know, then all of a sudden, what, everybody's an equal actor. And when, you know, there, you know, we have to deal with things like bad faith acting. We have to deal with all sorts of different kinds of, right. uh, if we're going to actually do, do anything, like be involved in any kind of change of new eddies, um, yes. or even, even the act of looking is an investment. So you have to justify that. Now you can justify that on epistemic scientific grounds. But if you're actually going to then say, well, the reason we're looking is because we want to make some change. Well, then you're going to make value judgment and making change then brings a particular judging function. And we and that judging function will then label some entities, individuals, and then it gets all complicated, but we can talk about that. But some things will be bad. You know, the current state of affairs is bad. Oh, because okay, it's right. us into right, wait, okay. So, so this, I see you, you perfectly segued into Thomas Aquinas. He said, there is no bad thing. Everything that is, is positive. So it has a stable equilibrium in this level of complexity, which makes it, it's necessarily good enough to be here. Right? Which is, well, right. there's no negative thing. Right? So it's like, there's no, you can't eliminate whatever it is by, by dusting it off. Right? And so the, 
the, the things that are bad, human beings to recognize them, to remove them from their environment should they be noxious to us and our kind, right? So I like have no tolerance for black widows around my house, but that's just me being rude and prejudiced and biased against things that can cause my, me and my family some harm, right? And it's like, that's a negative function, which is that I'm lowering the equilibrium for the black widows in proximity to the house. That's totally. all. And it's like, so it, there's a, there's always a room for them to grow into back, come at, back again. And that's how it goes. Uh -huh. And, and um, so there is a, necessarily a negative function when we accumulate it's, it's rational. You go, that thing is problematic and you remove it. Right. And it's like, so we need the, the issue that we're working on in my estimation, just to, to resonate and, and reassure myself and seeking that thumbs up is that we're attempting to create a base of knowledge and a way of expressing ourselves that is certainly true and leads to the proper conclusion so that we whittle away what is necessary to remove and none of the good tissue. Yeah, I mean, that's a, exactly. So what I would say in that, at least the framing that I have is that there, there are particular times when you want the is hat on, the is hat meaning, hey, I wanna describe and explain what is Yes. in as non-projected valued way yeah. as possible. Yeah. So my task, the value is to describe uh, accurately what is, and that is the scientific hat that you put on when you're in that mode. The mode of that hat um, is a particular, affords that in a particular way. Um, right. The, when you shift to the engineering hat, which is then, wait a minute, now we see problems um, and we want to do something, and that's shifting into medicine, into engineering, into professional psychology, into politicians, into anybody that then says, oh, there's a bad thing that we want to remove, or here's a good thing that we want to make better. Now you've shifted into your engineering hat. That's a whole nother hat, okay, that brings all sorts of different complexities to it. And your point that, well, if we, it's a good actually default, say, well, everything's there for a reason and has positive value for some reason. That's a very good default because it's a conservative point about be very wary about going in there and start Xing shit out that may have systemic equilibrium problematic consequences, right? right. So you have to be then very careful about the engineering acts that you take. That, um, that was good. That's a good point. And like the, the interesting function is that I'm drawing an axi axial graph right now. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. like this. You, you came up with a different axis than I thought you were going to come up with, man. I'm like, wow, <laughs> wow, how'd you do that? Like, cause it's dimensions. Okay. And I talk about it in medicine is this, is people go, should I do this? And I go, well, that's a moral question. I operate not on should, shouldn't, but on is, isn't, which is the objective framework. So I expected you to say something about subjective objective, which is how we make decisions on this engineering point of view, right? Cause how do we balance the morality with the reality and then projecting into how do we develop this as time moves forward? Yes, right. I, I would agree with that. Um, I would argue though, that if you're a licensed health provider, yes, if you're a licensed health provider, you actually are embedded in an ought and you have to navigate that. Now at various levels of, you know, your, your see, task. Wait, well, see, I'm like, this is like, oh, oh, be careful. Now you're treading on the, on the wires that are electrified, man. This like, this is like, the, um, the issue is this, is, is this, who defines what I ought to do? Right. Whose judgment 
prevails, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. And so it's like, look, so I talk about it like this, which in this digital age, which is the, um, the enforcement of the, um, the electronic medical record upon the medical community. I used to say, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to tell my little stories. The, um, I used to say that the computer was a tool I used to do my job. Mm -hmm. And now I say it is a yoke upon which has, which has been placed upon my shoulders and acts as the um, element or the tool through which many agencies that I have no dealings with and very just, just tool on me and my patients. Okay. And it's like this, it's, I regard it as interference in the uh, doctor patient relationship. And so it's like that. So you're right that there is a moral function here at work in the doctor world, but isn't, isn't is the basis of it. And it is, it's, it is um, uh, agreeable between the patient and the doctor, and all other, all others are are questionable with regard to what you have to say about it. Yeah, I mean, so right. I, I, I certainly so here's for me. This is basically there's degrees of evaluation that get entangled in the structure. Okay, so the basic scientist tries to minimize the degree of evaluation to the most degree possible. Okay, so the basic scientist. What do you mean by that? The degree valuation? I don't understand that. Meaning, okay, so valuation is, hey, this is how much myself as a knower is going to decide what's right and wrong, good ought and should be. Okay, so there's a preordained notion about what good and bad is. The epistemology of science is about factoring out as much as possible the bias of a particular observer to yield as objective description right. of what is, is possible, okay? Right. And then the basic natural science position, basic natural science yep. refers to the epistemology of objectivity. That's what it's after. The best, best ways that we humans have developed to afford us the most objective vantage point on reality is the natural science vision, right. okay? And its task, I argue, epistemological task, is essentially to develop a correspondent theory of truth, which is, hey, this is what is true. That's its task. And then much of the scientific method is about factoring out the values, the subjective values of whomever's making the claims, and you gather data that then either maps onto models, okay, that then yields the correspondence, okay? So that's that's the theoretical and empirical basic science task. Okay. Now, if so, let's say biology. The task of biology is to theoretically describe life and develop empirical tests of those descriptions so that we then say, oh, life is made up of cells, genes code for information, cells communicate, and that's what life is. Okay. Now, medicine, all right, medicine is different. Medicine has by its task a much more engineering function embedded in it, okay? The task of medicine is human biology almost exclusively, meaning that it embeds itself not in the biological world in general, but in human and then other veterinary and other kinds of things that humans care about. And then it is about really maintaining the health, the biological health of humans and the things that we value. Right. That's essentially what biology is. I mean, medicine. So right. medicine has already a valuation position in it that's higher 
That's a, um, then biology does. That's my point is, is that, and I've had to be very deliberate about this in psychology because psychology doesn't differentiate me as a professional licensed health professional and the science and they should. I mean, there's a fundamental difference between basic science and the health profession. And they have a one, the second one has an, a whole added layer of valuation embedded in it. Okay. Right, so right. that's my that's my basic point that I'm making. Now, as a protection practitioner, you know, you and your uh, role, right. me and my role, how much I give valuation to my patient, and they get to decide what is and ought, what ought to be relative to my job is to tell them. I definitely deal with that dialectic, meaning that I say, hey, my well, therapeutically, I'll normally say, you're the expert on you and what you want to have happen. So there you go. They do grant massive. I am an expert on human psychology, and I am here to help you bring that knowledge to bear so right. that you can inform yourself in a particular way. Right. Okay. But I will only in have a patient uh, doctor relationship with you in accordance with my meta values. Okay. Right. So the example I give my students is if somebody comes and tells me, oh, I'm really anxious at a party. I'm super critical of myself. Hey, can you help me? And I say, I'll say, absolutely. I'll try to help you deal with your social anxiety. If somebody says, you know, I'm trying to corner these girls and rape them, but I'm too anxious <laughs> and I want help to I can't overcome that. I can't believe that. Man. Well, this okay. is the example that I, oh, I, I understand. If somebody comes in and says, hey, I want to overcome that anxiety. I obviously immediately say, I ain't going to help you overcome that anxiety. In fact, I have to decide whether to report you to the authorities. <laughs> Actually, where I'm at, man, it's like, um, right. As a, as a harm other. I mean, is this guy a serial rapist? And now I actually, the confidentiality that I promised originally, although I said there were caveats, may actually now be broken because my obligation about what ought to be as a professional, okay, now supersedes this no, relationship. No, that's right. No, I, I, I would argue that that's certainly true. And we have the same functional, functional outlook. So which is to say uh, that's, that's a, that would have been a red flag. And yeah, obviously you know, we have the, lots of different things that basically say you are, you, there's an ought space that gives degrees of freedom, but if you bounce into the fundamental justification of that ought space, you then shift from a doctor in care of this patient's interest to a doctor who's licensed and then regulates society's functions. Wider social concern. Right. You know, with wider social concern. And then you, you overrule their interests and say, I know I'll lock your ass up. Uh, I'll become a, a member of the state and I'll lock your ass up if you tell me you're going to go kill somebody. Yeah, I ain't going to, I'm not going to be like, oh, that's fine. I'm going to say no way and you're get your ass locked up. So so there's totally limits. Not in me, relationship. not me, because I'm not saying anything of the sort, just so we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, no, I mean, that's just the, that if you're going to be a light, if you didn't do that, then licensed professionals would come. That's very license. reasonable limitation no. or, or uh, yeah, like expectation. It's a caveat that helps you frame where the arena of justification is at the level of valuation. That's all. That's all I'm trying to do. Let's just get clear. No, no. Right. So, so that's good. I like that. And, and, and we're in absolute agreement again, however dull that may seem to the audience. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But the, the issue then is parsing out this. Actually, Bradley, we should pause on that a second because we do come from pretty radically different political, you know, histories and socializations that you and I can so often achieve boring agreement. Okay. Is, is a worthwhile thing to for people to be reminded of in this day and age. So we should actually double click on that for a second and be like, that's actually amazing. Very good. And it's like, because I just wanted to reiterate that because it's like this, it's like um, to seek a civil solution for all these dissonance, dissonant functions. They're necessarily dissonant functions. And it's like this, it's like, 
cognitive dissonance playing in and people not wanting to believe something and 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 um, and 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 information sources that are so widely divergent that gener are based on polarization and the somebody's benefiting incentivized to generate that polarization. And so it is like, okay, how do you parse it out when you don't agree on what the significance of the signals are and you're in these two camps? It's like, okay, we, we are obligated to sort this out by one mechanism or another in order to engage in a stable equilibrium or we must do something else. Nice, wonderfully stated. And that's like, we, we wish to avoid any unpleasantries at all, you know, not at all costs, but there's a limit. And it's like, we, we just kind of go, wow, this is, let's just try not to uh, lose our tempers, right? Right, right. You get into physical destructive violence, uh, right, eventually, and at the levels of disagreement. And those are, the consequences of that are actually oh. disastrous, especially you scale that up nowadays in nation states. And oh, my God. So I, I agree. I, I, I mentioned this before. I talk about it's not their fault. It's their nature. And I think we're talking about the same thing, which is human nature. Is, now, is there a human nature? Certainly, I would say that you can frame human nature in a particular way. Uh, the first, the first word I throw out there is priming. So, so the the question in in regard to that is 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 um, human nature and um, the the issue is how malleable it is, right? And yep. I, I don't think it's very malleable at all. I just think it is. You can generate social fields that uh, distort it quite significantly to some degree or other, and um, but I don't think the human nature can change. Does that make sense? I don't, I think it, it, Yeah, I wanna, I wanna, right. So this is a, the unified theory divides this up into the two fields, okay? Of our mental animal primate nature, which has a particular architecture that's gonna be around for a while. And it then adds a culture person layer architecture yeah. and says, actually, yes, the, you can then build operating systems of justification that enormously vary, okay? right? And then they do interact with the technologies that people develop. So that there's an enormous openness here in terms yeah. of justification and technology on a primate system. That's right. That's going to run at a particular, unless we fundamentally start fucking around with our genetics and build breeding other kinds of humans, we will be, we're anchored to a particular kind of operating system at the primate world. So that's where we're stuck in. I said, and I hope we stay there. I'm fine with my primate. <laughs> Thank right? you. Right. And then, but our cultural systems of justification and our technologies are evolving at totally different scales and they are open in particular ways. Uh, and so that's the, it is the uh, organization of person and primate in technology that gives the variables that we need to actually really attend to. I like that. I like that a lot. And it, so the issue is kind of like this, it's layers of complexity and it's like parsing out um, how can we talk about what is going on so that we can resolve the discrepancies of, of, of policy, I guess, is how, it, how to talk about it properly, right? So how do we decide what's going on and then, and then move forward to uh, what we prefer, right, As a, and in the aggregate sense? That's, that's all. And it's like, okay, so... That's not we can agree there. That's boringly agreement. <laughs> it's just boring, and it's like that's what that's what um, there's a there's a thing I tell this story. This 
when I was in, in my 20s, I heard the Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times. And I thought, mm-hmm. I wanted to live in interesting times. And damn, if it came true. And, and at this age, I'm yeah. like, I'm not, whoa, whoa, I'm not 20 anymore. Shit. <laughs> That's plenty of interest, right? I'll, 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 I don't need another shot of interest. <laughs> it's like down. I know my limit and I think we're fine I'm ready to take gotta, a good nice nap and return to equilibrium I, I'm totally with you man I'm I gotta not, drive home man come on yeah exactly it's like uh, too much interest here so that's what we are an interesting time so, so we're right on the edge of that and I hope we don't have too many shots or else we really will be in trouble amen amen so the 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 thing that I'm working on is this is is I I'm trying to identify and and describe the 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 commonalities of stable equilibria at all levels of complexity right and then generalize that and how it manifests at every level perfect so and referring to basic um first principles so that everything reflects back and forth perfect that's what that's what we're working on so that we can we can um nod when we talk about what's going on in agreement that we understand one another that's all that i'm after and when we understand one another then we can decide what to do and then we can uh, decide amongst ourselves what our preference is and move forward in a cooperative manner. Fundam- wonderful. Total agreement. Have you seen the periodic table of behavior I developed? Yes, and I liked it. I'm going to look right. it up. So, so it's, a, it's essentially, that's a, it's an extension of the tree of knowledge in, in to, do, to get more specification on exactly the layers of complexification. Okay. And what it does is it takes the key insight from the tree of knowledge that there are four dimensions of complexification, matter, life, mind, culture, coming off of, by the way, um, what I now call the base or the plate or the implicate order underneath matter as the energy information field, which is uh, energy information field, which is a really nice term because it affords us lots of different things, but I'll punt on that. And then it says out of the energy, the first thing out of the energy information field are particles, okay, which are mathematically represented as vectors and waves, but they can then, you know, then they get solidified and cohere into the explicate matter order of electrons and protons and all that shit. And then you get atoms and, and then you get molecules and then across scale. And what you'll notice there is that atoms for matter create the primary unit of analysis and then their parts, particles, and then the groups of atoms, molecules, yes. and then they go across scale. Yeah. So that creates a leveled analysis of part, whole, group across yeah. scale. And that's what the periodic table says. Actually, you can apply that to each dimension. So you do yes. it for matter, you do it for life, you do it for mind, you do it for culture. And then what you get is a map of the emergence of complexification across the three dimensions of levels of yes. part, whole, group, and then across four dimensions of complexification, matter, life, mind, and culture, and you get the 12 floors of science, and then you get a natural science mapping of the behaviors in nature that are, and they're pretty independent and transcendent of what is, especially if you define them the way TOK does. And then now you actually have uh, a ground for objective discussion of transcendent real analysis of the levels of complexity that you're talking All right. Now, for the studio, or not studio, but the general audience, <laughs> we will... Um... Tell the nice people how they're going to find this information on the web. I'll send you a couple of links to it and, and a di- and a diagram. Uh, if, if Beautiful. Would be, uh, we'll so put it in the show notes. We'll sh- put it in show notes, and it's just a four by three picture of uh, or table of, of of that. And it's a lot of people find it be pretty intuitive, and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's like," 
And then you look, hey, actually, those are 12 floors of science. Start with particle physics. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, Wonder oh, my God, you mean we can organize that? And I want to resonate with that. As, and, and, and then um, the other issue that, that, that kind of surprised me in the study of this information, which is this, put, putting the uh, social sciences, psychology, sociology, anthropology, politics, and into the uh, scientific realm, right? And it's like the interesting function of it is look at every level of complexity are stable relations making stable equilibria. And it looked at the whole thing sort of crystallized to me. It looks like a crystal that's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's got a fixed function, which is kind of a very unusual finding that is related to the implicate order of the, the, the universe. Yeah. Which is, okay. is it must be. Yeah. Well, there. So, a couple of actually, you said a few things there that I find to be very interesting. And then these are challenges and fascinating aspects of my own system. So, one of the things that I'll say is the nature of the social sciences. Okay. Okay. The social social sciences are uh, that the tree of knowledge maps the natural into human sciences. Yes. Okay. And it provides a framework for sort of the objective description of everything from physics to biology into basic psychology, okay, which are animals, by the way. So psychology from the unified theory is not human, it's animal, all right? That's, so it's important to know. Then there's the sub-discipline of human psychology, which is different than psychology, basic psychology, okay? okay? And then human psychology can be specified by the tree of knowledge as, a as, as the ground of a natural science. However, it then blends into the chaotic social sciences for a whole host of different reasons. Okay. And the, and, and the, by chaotic, I mean that we will not develop the same kind of knowledge systems about the social sciences as we do about the natural sciences. Wait, wait. Okay. Wait, wait, and so, wait, wait. so that's that. that. Why do you say that? Why will we not do that? Well, but the reason is that when we're dealing with the social sciences, Okay, our our stance of objectivity, even if we want it, okay, cannot be achieved at the same degree as when we're in the natural sciences. Oh, I find that contention to be um, arguable. I don't. I, it's, it's like I, you're making there, a negative assertion. I'm, I'm I'm making an assertion that the knowledge, the objectification of knowledge, is much more achievable when we're in what's called the natural sciences, as I define them, uh, versus when we get into the social sciences. There's a qualitative shift, just like I was talking about the difference between biology and medicine, the difference between the natural sciences and social sciences, even if you're trying to be social scientific, is similar, although different, than the difference between biology and medicine. And I can explain uh, I, why. I, I know, I, know. I, have a, I would love that. We'll have to have that discussion later because I'm going to argue okay. the opposite point of view. And if we have some disagreement. Hey, then we can disagree. <laughs> All right. Then we can get productive, man. It's like awesome. <laughs> it's like this. To, to me, it's like this. People make different choices, right, in an aggregate sense. And mm -hmm. those choices have consequences. And they can be compared in a matter of decidability so that the any other individual may choose their preference and go forward and cooperate with whomever they choose to cooperate within the parameters of each group's uh, cooperative limits, right? Okay, I, would, I don't disagree with any of that. That's the goal, that's the goal. And it's like mm -hmm. this, but we can, uh, we can create a mechanism for any individual judge, like mm -hmm. any observer 
may be able to evaluate and then decide. So it's, I think we can make um, empirical uh, evaluations that are within the scientific realm. That's my point. And, and, and Oh, I, okay. I certainly agree with that. I'm not, that's not, that that's certainly, boring. so we're back into the, but, <laughs> but all I'm saying is there's a stance of objectivity that's afforded. If you're a scientist of the natural sciences, and by that, I mean everything from physics through animal psychology. Okay. You can, you can make claims about the nature of the natural science world that are protected at the level of objectivity. Yes. Okay. And separateness from the claims that you make relative to the object of study. Yes. Okay. In the social sciences, that separateness changes. It's, it's much more um, difficult for the fish to see the water. Yes. But if you, and if you start pointing the water out, if you start pointing out society to people, you create a feedback loop between the scientific knower and the subject so mm -hmm. that you actually open up a second feedback line, which threatens your objectivity. And psychology has dealt with this. Here's how I explain it to my students. Okay. So this is, and I'm certainly not the only person, this is a central problem in the philosophy yeah. of social science. Uh, the best description that accords very directly with the unified theory is given by Tony Giddens, the sociologist. Okay, The sociologist Tony Giddens argues that the non-human natural sciences, everything from primatology back to physics, okay, deals, has what's called the single hermeneutic. Scientists need to get, to, hermeneutics and interpretive systems, scientists need to get together and debate what things mean amongst themselves to generate the correspondence modeling of the object under consideration. Okay. So I'll get the example I give and it's, you know, it, it will activate systems. That's what the goal is in my students. So I'm a behavioral scientist, a psychological comparative psychology researcher. Okay. And I notice, and I'm going to use this intentionally. I notice that the white rats seem to run mazes a lot faster than the brown rats. Okay. And then I run tests on that and I show that actually they learn the maze faster, they run through faster, and then I produce a paper that demonstrates there's discrepancy between right, right. the white rats and the black, uh, uh, black brown rats. Okay. See where I'm going with this? All right. Of course so, I do. I can, I can read the metaphysics of this. You can read the metaphysics real easy. Okay. So that's not really an ethical problem, or at least you can debate. If you're going to say it's an ethical problem, you got a lot of justification. Okay. Right. If I do that with persons, as was done with persons in, our, in, in very analogous ways, the feedback loop yeah. that that generates between that knowledge and then the claims about what is and ought to be. In fact, if you follow TOK this morning, mm, the, mm, the concept of what intelligence is and then how it's used by people to legitimize things I now understand. feeds right back into the structure to create an iterative feedback loop between the so-called right. independent knowledge claims yeah. that we build and that's called the double hermeneutic that we have to deal with. It means there's the, that's the name there's of the whole, loop. That's the name, according to Tony Giddens, the sociologist. In other words, the interpretive system now opens yourself back up to the subjects you're trying to describe. And because these are justifying using systems, they will take the systems of justification you build and change themselves accordingly. And that doesn't happen with the rats or particles. So, so that's the fun. So your actual knowledge system gets contextualized in a system that will metabolize it. And that creates a different kind of 
limit it creates limits on the objectivity because then you have to decide well am i going to publish this in a totally different way and what how am i going to frame the problems of humanity um well, because how I frame them will feed back on how people think about themselves. Freud changed the way we see ourselves, okay? He changed the way we talk. He changed what we see ourselves. He changed everything about. So if you're going to then say something and you Wait, know well, that that... What's that mean, Freud changed the, the way we think about ourselves? I mean, the, the system of psychoanalysis huh? adds to the justification systems of culture that then people then get raised in those systems and then that shapes their identity enormously yeah. at the level of human culture behavior. Right. It changes the thing that it's trying to describe. Okay. Skinner did not change the operant behavior patterns of animals. He might have changed technologies that we use, but he did not change the actual process. Right. Okay. So that's the difference between an animal psychology that cannot engage in systems of justification versus a human psychology into social sciences where the systems of justification that scientists build feed back on what people do and thus creates an iterative entanglement called the double hermeneutic. Yep. I got you. Okay. And it's like, it's unavoidable. Unavoidable. Oh, I know. But unavoidable. It's, it's, wait, wait. So it's like that, which is unavoidable must be um, embraced. Yeah, totally. Okay. And, and, they, and they, it's I like, totally agree. So, so, Okay. So that, that means there can be competing knowledge claims, which are mutually contradictory, which is subjectivity, which is like, okay, if you want to be subjective, that's good. You get to pick how you want to play it. It's okay. And it's like, that's the, that's the, the issue is that conflict, which we were talking about the diode, right? Which totally. supersedes the, which will supersede the other, the objective or the subjective. And, yep. like, and we must be in balance in order to have the stable equilibrium that we seek. Right. Beautiful. <laughs> How boring. It's, in fact, you can, well, you can even then empirically make a claim in relationship to what you just said. And my friend Joe Mikulski did this and, and saw this. So if what I said is true, then there will be polarized elements inside of sociology, for example. The yes. polarized elements inside of sociology. Some people will be, hey, sociology must remain fact-based and empirical and simply describe what is. They try to emphasize that versus, hey, oh my God, we're, in, we're already activists as soon as we start saying shit. So therefore, we better embrace it. And in fact, we know we can be more moral than people. So we will create an activist sociology that reconstrues racism, sexism, et cetera. And that's essentially what happened. And you can look at the, the whole, there's a whole normal distribution of investment in sociology, yes. some of which people try to say, hey, we got to remain objectivism and, yes. and stay connected to science. And other people say, fuck that. It's already, the cards are already baked. So we're going to then grab what we think is moral and re use sociology as an activist discipline to reconstruct the systemic structural imbalances and basically become policy people, you know, uh, hidden as scientists, which, of course, from my vantage point, is a nightmare. OK, but wait, wait, the, wait, wait, but, well, we agree again. It is a nightmare, but it's like, no, we have a big problem here. And it's like so the, the issue that I see what's going on, like what's happening in the world, Brad, right? And it's like, well, what's happening is um, it appears to me that the institutions are generally losing legitimacy because they've been uh, co-opted by such individuals who have their own interests in mind. They're operating on their own moral structures within such parameters as allows them wide latitude to do good for everybody else and upon everybody else, regardless how they think or feel about it. It's bankruptcy. Totally. It's just bankruptcy. That's right. So this so my, and my, we got to wrap up here in a yeah, second, yeah. because I go, but, but basically the point of it is, is that the, 
from the Utah perspective says, hey, there's an enlightenment gap. The enlightenment ran its course, but then it has a gap. And now all of a sudden, do-gooders are very, from the leftist perspective in particular, we have a danger of do-gooders jumping in, superseding their things, making critiques of the old system that doesn't work, and then setting up an intuitive system that may look just, but is far more totalitarian than uh, yeah. because it won't be able to control reality because it runs up against the reality that it can't see. And then it even tries to deny. And fundamentally, one of the, the critique from my metamodern view to hyper progressive elements is actually we never conservatively anchored to what is true. And metamodern Utah view says, no, there's fucking things that are true that will put limits on your ideological versions of reality. hundred percent. Ring. <laughs> We're on the same page, man. And it's, 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 it's totally true. And it's like, so the, the issue is about intuitive, intuitional conflict on a social, the, the grandest scale to the smallest scale. All humans are embroiled in it all the time to balance it out, to maintain a stability individually and socially. And it is watch the mess being generated. We're watching it be unfolding before our eyes. And it's like, it's winding the springs to where they're supposed to go, which is to, to some equilibrium. And how that exactly ends up is like, well, let's try to keep it clean, kids. Beautiful. Totally. And at all, the last point I'll end you is that the, my journey started. I was in psychotherapy trying to figure all this shit out, which actually is a nested, uh, you know, thorns of confusion in relationship to all these issues on a microcosm, all the macrocosm. And then I did get adjacent to it through justification um, initially and then TOK. But it was like, oh, my God, we're all a bunch of justifiers. And that is both true and it's how we live and it's inevitable. So it, it oriented me to the nature of our personhood in a particular way. And so one of the things that I do invite people is basically take ownership of the fact that you're a justifying primate, <laughs> you know, and then, and then as long as we say, oh my God, we are, that's what we're all doing. That affords us a step back position that uh, I think then so it's, well, what are our meta principles that we should first principles that we should actually contain this. And I think you have, pointed to some of the things that you found in relationship to that. And they concur a lot with me. And if we have that frame, you know, we'll keep it safe. I think, I hope. <laughs> I think so. I think you and me can keep it safe. It's the extreme. You and I can life. keep it safe. Well, obviously you and I can keep it safe. So we'll see. Right. At least we can give that example. And, uh, you know, start. that's a good start. All right. Right. So what we'll do, we'll reconvene at a later moment. Shoot me a note. I think one of your notes got sent to my spam. So that made me yeah. why I didn't reply to it. But so, anyway, whatever, we'll be back in touch. And, right. uh, I put a coin in the mail to you and we can talk about that at some point. <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, talking to me again, uh, Greg, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, enjoying your company. Greg Enriquez. All Greg right. Thanks so much. Adios, man. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Best Medicine Podcast with Bradley H. Werrell, D.O. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe below, either over there or over there. Also, if you're interested in a medical consultation with myself, there's also information below.